The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. How, how hot has it been? Uh, pretty hot. I mean, for Los Angeles, pretty hot. I mean, I grew up in 105, 110 degree weather and stuff, but, um, yeah, and even in New York, when even when it would get into the 90s, when you'd have to take the subway and stuff, it was intolerable. But yeah, I, I it's hot. <laughs> it's very hot. Mm-hmm. And then my daughter, who's uh, she's going to be four soon, but like she loves to go to the playground after school and stuff. And it's just like, I can't you we can't stay out too long. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and she has a little pool and stuff that I'm just like, let's just go home and just, <laughs> I don't want to be out in this heat. And I, I kind of refuse to wear shorts foolishly sometimes. And unless I'm going to the beach or something. So I'm just always like, you know, wearing my black pants and black t band shirt, always a band shirt or something, you know? Yeah. They all have to be black too. So I was like, damn it. Come on. I know. Well, I, when I saw Pearl jam a couple of months ago, I made sure to buy a white Pearl jam shirt. <laughs> so I was like, vary it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just hate it. Cause it gets dirty so quickly. My SP one, the heart one is just so beat up. So then do you have a, a Lorne story or are you saving that for Marin? I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I've told it a couple of times. I, uh, one of my friends' podcasts, I go through my whole SNL uh, audition experience and stuff, but he was super nice to me. He was, uh, everybody kept warning me when I was waiting for him that he was going to be, I mean, the, the screen test was very, uh, nerve wracking and stuff. And that was its own experience. But then before, when I was waiting to meet with him, they're parading you around the office and they have all these people meeting you and different producers and whatnot and uh they were all like hey don't be offended if he's like too cold or whatever I had one of the writers tell me like yeah he checked his email for five minutes before even talked to me and i was like <laughs> oh boy but um he was great i mean i i got to meet him in his uh his lower office like on the ninth floor that's kind of close to the stage instead of his like whatever uh 17th floor office or whatever it was super warm, low lighting, uh, popcorn mm-hmm. maker going, popcorn uh, on the table, stuff like that, you know, and he was just, I just sat on the couch and talked to him and he was <laughs> incredibly nice. Uh, he was, he was great. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad I have a good Lorne story. Other than when I left, when I finished the interview, he just said, uh, well, you're very talented. I'm sure something good will happen for you. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, off you go. You know, <laughs> just like go, his assistant uh, showed me to the elevator and I'm just shell shocked. And she's like, what happened? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> don't uh, let the door hit your ass on the way right. out. <laughs> uh, but one of my friends who was a cast member said that when she got done with her meeting, they were like, all right, have fun in LA. <laughs> so like, but she got the job, but it was just kind of like, they just, I don't know. There's so many. I still have friends on that show who just like who write and act for it, who are just like, it's, it's a war zone. It, it's, it's, there's nothing like it because it's just so stressful and just such a pressure cooker. And I think I would have handled it fine, but part of me is kind of relieved that I didn't have to kind of, I, I, I don't know what my fate would have been. I probably would have been a, I had some friends who were like, you know, one season uh, cast members and stuff and they, mm-hmm. they like kind of destroyed them. So I don't know if, um yeah, I don't know how I would handle it, how I would have handled it. But it was nice to have that opportunity. It was a dream of mine since I was a kid. So yeah, it's all you, you get. You get. You get a story out of it. You get to. You would. You wouldn't be doing your uh, podcast probably, right? It's oh, you probably been. It's like oh no, I'd get to meet Billy then, and uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> probably think I was a clown. Wow! 
Welcome to Season 8, Episode 28 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through every song in the Pearl Jam catalog. I am your host, Brandon Paloma. Each episode, I go track by track with the guests through every album, soundtrack, single, and b-side to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon today talking about the song Don't Gimme No Lip, a Stone Gossard classic with guest Frank Garcia Hale, host, uh, one of the hosts of the Smashing Pumpcast. Hello, Frank. Hello. Don't give me no lip. <laughs> That's right. That's all I ask from you. That's all I ask. Don't give me no lip. <sighs> okay. I'll... I'll... Well, um, um, I'll try to talk without my lips, and we'll see how that goes. Okay, that was uh, that was that was one bit that we can uh, check was off the list. Uh, <laughs> Sound a little folksy there, like the Pepperidge Farm guy for a bit. <laughs> yeah, Pepperidge Farm remembers. We remember Lost Dogs and this first Stone Gossard song that he wrote by himself. But first, Frank, it's good to have you on the show. It's good to be here. Before. We get into the song and anything else. We have to cover the formalities. Mm-hmm. And with my podcast, every new guest, I have to ask you, Frank, when did you first hear of Pearl Jam? Uh, right before this podcast, I thought I'd go in blind. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, for me, it was 1992. I was 10 years old and I went to visit my cousins in Houston. My mom dropped me off for the week. It was the Easter. It was the week of Easter. And my mom dropped me off to hang out with my cousins just to kind of spend the break there. And I was watching, we didn't have cable and they had cable and we were watching MTV. And I saw the video for Nirvana smells like teen spirit. And it, it just uh, blew me away, changed my life. And she's like, Oh, if you dig that, check this out. And we went to her room and she had Pearl Jam's 10 and uh, Guns N' Roses Use Your Illusion, both of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we listened to those just like nonstop over the week. And I just fell in love. And I think that's when I also saw the other because we watched a ton of MTV and played Nintendo. (laughs) It just ate junk and it was the best. But that's where I saw the videos, too, for Pearl Jam, because, you know, they were just playing a ton of, uh, you know, quote unquote grunge at that time uh, on MTV where they were actually showing videos and stuff. And I was just it was just a complete education. And I just fell in love with with Nirvana and Pearl Jam and, you know, Guns N' Roses and stuff. And then a year later, I'd get into my other favorite band, the Pumpkins, uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And um, yeah, 10 was my first uh, that Christmas. My grandma bought me my first CD, which was Pearl Jam's 10. Cool. And I just, uh, that, and also I got, uh, my first CDs were Pearl Jam's 10 and Peter Gabriel's Us. Um, <laughs> I was a big fan of the song Steam and Digging in the Dirt. Who could, what can you say? Um, yeah, those are the, the awesome, like, claymation videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, as a 10 year old, you're like, this is cool. Uh, it's so cool now, but yeah. I, um, yeah, so I was just like, I was just hooked. I was absolutely hooked and I just, was in love with you know Pearl Jam's sound, their look, uh, the way Eddie talked in interviews. It was just so cool to me, and I was just a fan. And then, then when Versus came out, I was just like, 
man, this is one of the best albums of all time. There's something about like with Pearl Jam, there's a little bit of um, kind of parallels with Pearl Jam and uh, Smashing Pumpkins in, in many ways. But one of them is that like their second album was the one that like just blew me away. You know, Siamese Dream for me and then mm-hmm. you know, with Pearl Jam with Versus. I was like, man, I listened to it nonstop. And I remember when they played SNL, I was so excited and I had my VCR set to record it. And I was just so, so pumped that Pearl Jam was playing. And I I was obsessed. But then, of course, at that time, you know, I wasn't old enough to see the band. And uh, when I was old enough uh they were it was almost impossible to get tickets you know uh because of the systems they were doing and even after that on the phone and stuff yeah and then even then like uh i just couldn't afford it because the the shows were always they would sell out immediately or they were too expensive and for some reason it just always uh i just never could see them and then when i was able to in college and stuff it was just too expensive for me so i i only i i hadn't seen them until literally a couple of months ago oh wow and i had bought those tickets uh you know pre-pandemic you know i got it through the the 10 club uh stuff and i was so excited because i had the the tickets for two nights then it got postponed and whatever and then but yeah i saw them for the first time just a couple of months ago even though i've been a fan since 92 you know was that when uh, uh was matt still playing yeah he came back for that show because i know cruising uh speaking of the song we're going to talk about i i mean like they had played it earlier that week in fresno mm-hmm. but that's when they had cruising so i wasn't sure i think yeah because the buzz in the i think the buzz around that week was like oh if he's playing the night before or if he's playing this time i, I think he yeah i can't remember the time yeah, it was like right before he got sick right yeah it was right before he got sick but there was a reason why i thought cruising had played on uh that fresno show thought that we maybe i'm getting the, those dates wrong because i remember seeing the clip of him playing with them but i wasn't sure when that was and i know that he got sick after the la show and i was very grateful yeah, yeah. that i got to see uh matt cameron because i never got to see soundgarden either uh when i was younger i was a big soundgarden fan as well but uh yeah so i mean it was it was incredible it was um there are a few bands that you see live that are kind of like um like a a religious experience for you Mm -hmm. and that was one of those and it's funny because i was surrounded by a lot of people who follow the band on tour and have seen them a million times and you know they were like yeah this show is good i mean i could tell like they weren't like super pumped about it like they thought maybe it was an okay show maybe i don't know uh they're very particular and uh i was i was like this sounds amazing to me pearl jam is like like my generation's the who you know it it really is like they're just a straight ahead like just incredible arena rock band Mm -hmm. and it was just i was in awe the entire show of just just the presence of eddie and the way the band band sounded and it just lived up it exceeded my expectations i expected to enjoy it but not as much as as i did it was it was incredible i loved it yeah, and the audience too, when they're, you know, it's like everybody's there and everybody wants to see them and everybody's like, hey, you know, this is, oh, yeah, this is an experience that we're all having together. It's different yeah. than just sort of like, okay, I listen to the music and it speaks to me or whatever, but it's a very personal, sort of inside your own head experience. Whereas being in the community or whatever like that, it's sort of like, we're one huge organism then i guess i don't know 
Pearl Jam fans are a different breed. I mean, like way different. I mean, I, I, I interact with a lot of Smashing Pumpkins fans because of the podcast and stuff and over the years and whatnot. But like, there's just a, it is a, it's like, a, you know, it really is kind of the closest thing to, to like a Grateful Dead type of, you know, uh, fandom where people just, I mean, and it also is cool that they, what, one of the things I love about Pearl Jam is that they vary up their set list, mm-hmm. you know, it's so cool that you can see a completely different show the next night with maybe like one or two songs that they played the night before, but it's just, I love that. I love that so much and it just makes it more special. And the singing shows right now is especially cathartic after, uh, I say after, but you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. now that things are, now that things have, uh, are, up and running sort of again uh but that you know, we, now that we can see shows i felt like a dork wearing a mask uh at that show but my buddy who was uh in another seat who didn't wear a mask got covid from that show so i was like all right yeah. i guess i don't feel so bad and then matt cameron ends up getting covid and, yeah you know, he it's... got covid too so i was like okay um maybe i don't feel like so much of a dork uh but uh, i don't care like i'm there to see the show and i'm there to experience it for myself but yeah, it was, it was incredible. And I, I just, um, it, it's, it's so cathartic too, because I had waited so long to see them. I was so excited to have those tickets and then the pandemic hit. And then it was like, Oh, I got to wait. And I wasn't sure if they were going to cancel or, you know, get, I was going to get that money back or what, you know? So I was like, I don't care about the money. I just want to see Pearl Jam mm-hmm. and I did. And it was incredible. And I bought probably too much merch, but, uh, <laughs> I like had to, I was like, I, I just got sucked into it just uh maxing out that credit card you know yeah the 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 i i went to sacramento to see that show and then they canceled it and yeah (laughs) so then i didn't have to i I guess i didn't have to worry about spending money on on merch that is like oh man i don't really have the money but (laughs) i yeah because i bought a t-shirt um i bought a shirt for my daughter and then i bought a cap a trucker cap with the gigaton uh, pearl jam font and then a couple of stickers and stuff and i wanted to buy the specific uh the um the poster but i didn't have a tube for it and i didn't want it to get messed up so i didn't buy it yeah yeah but maybe i'll i'll ebay it for christmas or something well i think they they for, for some of the shows i know they they have um the posters up online and they're oh i need to check that in their in their store yeah because I know they had it for the Earthling, you know, like the the Eddie Vedder. That was one I wanted to see, too, because they were playing at the YouTube theater. And I just like I just couldn't afford it. I was shocked at how expensive yeah, yeah. the tickets were for Eddie. And I was like, I, I get it. But I at first, I was like, mm, saving it for Pearl Jam. You know, like I, I felt I'm sure it would have been an incredible show. The live stuff I saw from it was really good. But I and I like that album a lot. <laughs> it's like it's peak dad rock at its best. And I love it. <laughs> um, I love it. But yeah, I, 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 I'll have to check that out because I'm still a 10 Club member. Uh, I had to switch to digital, though, because I couldn't afford the analog one this year. Mm-hmm. That was another thing, too. I didn't join the 10 Club until maybe a few years ago. I've talked about this on the Pumpkins podcast, but I had uh, testicular cancer mm-hmm. um, in 2018, and I was going through chemo, and while I was sitting there, I was like, well, I just loaded up you know on all my favorite bands and stuff and i was like this is the time to while i sit here getting poison pumped into me um this is time i need to catch up on some of my favorite bands and that's where i went through the pumpkins discography and pearl jams discography and nine inch nails and tori amos and a few others that i just like 
revisited the albums i didn't really give a chance to before and definitely for pump again another per- parallel is pumpkins and pearl jam is that i just kind of fell off a little bit after a certain point and there are some there were there were some blind spots for me and then while i was going through treatment i was just really uh pumpkins and pearl jam especially i was just like really getting into those albums that i missed and yeah it just i don't know it just helped it just it you brought me a lot of comfort to go to listen to those albums and stuff and to have you know my favorite bands with me on that journey i'm in remission now so it's congratulations but it, it meant a lot to me it just got me so then i i signed up for it while i was going through chemo just because i wanted to get in and all the stuff and then also um when i knew eventually they would tour again so i was like oh that would help with that too so i could mm-hmm. finally see them because that would be um cathartic for me and it was cathartic to see them because just re- remembering going through that treatment and just um you know hoping for the best and having pearl jam there to keep me company and the pumpkins it was just uh it was great yes music is very healing for the soul and it's obsessive for me. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I can <laughs> make a uh, a transition into the song. I don't into, know if I can. Uh, much much like a kiss to Sleeping Beauty. The don't give me no lip is that that's very sweaty. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, we struggle with this all the time on the Pumpkins podcast. It's, Pat's better at those uh, segues than I am. The pun segues. <laughs> But uh, let's see if if we all open up our Lost Dogs booklets to the Don't Give Me No Lip page. Uh, like I said, this is uh, a song written by Stone Gossard. The words and the music, uh, an outtake from No Code. Mm-hmm. Stone says, not bad. This was the first song I wrote and sang that was recorded by PJ. I think in New Orleans just before the Chicago sessions. I was growing a little frustrated with my songwriting experience and had just wanted to write something that I could finish and say, this is me take it or leave it well they left it but now it's back pretty good rock chorus actually the verses are a little weak i could have had a little more to say now that i had the mic but i was just starting out soon after recorded mankind and my career as a part-time singer was flourishing eh (laughs) yeah this is this is very first (laughs) first song maybe uh material i guess it's very yeah it's very straightforward and very like i kind of like that part of the reason why i like this song uh why it was one of the songs i was like i can talk about this um one lost dogs i mean i i love that compilation i don't love that some of the songs are different than the ones that i was used to yeah but you know i was we had talked about this uh off you know off air i guess if you could call that but about how pumpkins and pearl jam there was something about like 90s bands especially in that early time but especially pumpkins and pearl jam that just their b-sides were just as good as their a-sides you know to Mm -hmm. the point where djs are playing the b-sides and making them hits you know (laughs) and even something like with merkin ball or something like that that just like you get excited for these things because they're really great and for lost dogs i just love that collection because it's um there's something that's so I don't know. I always think it's like um, endearing, uh, charming, and especially with the story behind this song, the fact that it was his first and that it's kind of just a really fun, low stakes. I like it when artists kind of just get out of their head, especially. Uh, I know from a creative standpoint, when you're just like, uh, you're trying to write something big or you're trying to 
write a hit or you're trying to do this or that and it just you fall short so then you're just like i'm just gonna shit this out without thinking about it just have it out and it just some somehow it unlocks to get to the next step you know mm-hmm. and i love that and i love that about this song so it's it's i like that stone is kind of trying to get out of his head and it's just a kind of fun you know uh, really simple ramones ish type of just like i guess it's not really ramones ish but it's just like that simple guitar you know stuff garage rocky yeah sort of. and it kind of it's so funny about mankind because it does it, when you listen to mankind you kind of hear a little bit of that or habit you know or even just like with um uh got some off a of backspacer uh which just kind of sounds like uncontrollable urge by devo but you know what i mean like it's it, i like i kind of like that flavor of pearl jam where they can kind of just be simple and just do their like you know get a little bit of their ramones or garage rock stooges or any of that stuff that they love just out of their system you know sort of like uh ed playing the ukulele i'm gonna soon forget just sort of like uh i got writer's block or something and well this isn't the guitar so i'll go ahead and yeah. play this and fool around and that's sort of like you have to you have to pr- pr- what was it you have to prime the pump or something Basically. i don't know like to get i mean that's the, what peter buck did. The, the juices flowing yeah, i mean or- peter buck did that with rem and that's what kind of and they found a whole new sound with that because he was just so sick of the electric guitar so i get it you know i get why a big a huge band like pearl jam especially where they have massive uh like expectations for each album that comes out mm-hmm. uh especially in the the 90s where they're just like fuck what do we do or especially going into the 2000s where you're kind of not irrelevant but you know you're not as big as you used to be not that they ever really cared about that too much but still it was just like there's so much pressure and when you're putting that much pressure on yourself you have to step out of your comfort zone to find some kind of way back yeah and plus too like at this time like the no code era it's like right before you know everybody starts writing lyrics for ed too so i I think it's just kind of like ah well you wrote the lyrics so you go ahead and sing it it's kind of like ah okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah for better for worse and yeah i mean there's a lot of like stuff i don't love but that's you know that's what i think every band should have that you should have that relationship with every band where you love some stuff and some stuff you're like yeah it's okay Mm -hmm. Uh, but at least you you did it you know you got it out of your system you're 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 following your creative spark hopefully hopefully that's the case because sometimes you know that's not the case when uh, artists are kind of just doing it because they have to yeah not not every song has to be a dagger to the heart super epic oh all the feels some can just be hey let's party man yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) and those songs are great music's supposed to be fun right i mean that's those are i mean sometimes you need those songs too you know i can't always listen to indifference you know on repeat Mm -hmm. like i'm at the beach or something it's like (laughs) I, i love it but you know sometimes you want you know fun rocking pearl jam uh, simple pearl jam yeah this uh let's see they played the song for the first time live september 16th 2005 in ottawa ontario stone gossip on the guitar you guys have been asking for this no no one guy has been Now a stone gossip on the vocal. Nice. I've been waiting so long to speak with you all. It's, it's been too long. Um, 
We're gonna do a song called uh, Don't Give Me No Lip. We've never, I don't think we've ever played it except for in the studio, so, um, and I just showed Ed how to play it today, so that's gonna be good. It's gonna, it's gonna be good. Um, so uh, I hope you enjoy it. Don't Give Me No Lip. Fresno show this year, mm-hmm. right before, right before they canceled everything. So I guess we, we can we can blame Stone that uh, that's why they had to cancel Sacramento. Because <laughs> he, uh, yeah, because he played Don't Give Me No Lip. Yeah, that that version too is 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 tuned down. If you if you listen to that, it's like it's like whoa, it's and that always kind of makes things sound a little bit heavier. It doesn't sound as sort of poppy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I because I um, yeah because I was looking at some of the the like live ones uh, as I'm sure you did too, and um, yeah that one did feel a little weird to me, mm-hmm. but it was cool that they played it. Yeah, and I think I saw the YouTube clip yeah. of that, and I know like the camera angle that from where I saw it, like it, it was kind of. I don't know. It felt kind of disappointing just because like behind them, like all those seats were empty. And so it's yeah. like, I think like a Pearl Jam show is like, you know, like the whole place is going to be packed and everything. But it is sort of like, you know, these are tickets from two years ago. So I'm sure that some people have hopped off since then. And, you know, probably with the weight, oh, man, with the way ticket prices go for concerts and stuff for people trying yeah. to not necessarily Pearl Jam, but like verified fan sellers or something like that where you know prices are jacked up and everything yeah that's so the whole that was weird i mean i like that most of the tickets were the same price or whatever and that was like the way they did it i thought was interesting that i mean they're trying to work with Ticketmaster the best they can but like with the pumpkins especially like that spirits on fire tour that's coming up with jane's addiction there is just astronomical it's astronomical the prices for like some of those seats where you're mm-hmm. just like i'm not paying a thousand plus dollars you know for stage you know like for floor that's ridiculous um and for pearl jam i spent like you know what was the the base price like 125 or whatever yeah. for tickets i can't remember still still a little rich for my blood being used to paying 30 40 50 dollars back in the day but like it's still for me it was worth it to be on the floor you know at uh the forum which is a fantastic um i mean it's a pain in the ass to get to but it's uh great to see a big band i saw the pumpkins there in 2018 too mm-hmm. yeah I, I it's it's it makes me so mad about that that's the thing that was one of the things that appealed to me about pearl jam too was just the whole like exposing the predatory practices of Ticketmaster and just kind of like their political stuff too i was just like oh this is so cool you know it kind of get getting me into that because otherwise i wouldn't have known or cared you know it's using using your platform man 
Exactly. I know some people don't like that. At the show I was at with some other uh, supposedly diehard uh, Pearl Jam fans, when he started talking, you know, politics, the guy beside me who said he has been to a ton of shows said, shut up and sing. And I was like, what band are you a fan of? (laughs) What do you... I don't understand what what is it where's the disconnect but i guess some people are able to do that it's probably people who i mean not that eddie enunciates uh perfectly has perfect elocution but uh it is you know some people just don't listen to lyrics so they just hear sort of oh okay it's rock it's you know heavy or aggressive or whatever it's getting gets my blood pumping they like more of the feeling yeah and then you know, you see them and then they start talking in between songs like, what? It doesn't make sense. I get like a uh, rage, ag- rage against the machine or something like that. Rage yes. against the machine. That's talk about like really just being completely oblivious about the band you're listening to. I mean, my God, it takes a it takes some strength to really separate the lyrics from the music for a band like that. Mm-hmm. At least with Pearl Jam, there's a little bit of like, you know, nuance to it, uh, except for Bush Leaguer. But you know what I mean? Like it's it's very i i I don't get that disconnect and that's something it's like how how do you disconnect when you're watching unplugged and he's scribbling pro life uh uh, sorry pro choice not pro Pro life (laughs) Uh, pro choice on his arm that would be like really like what (laughs) okay dude um and I was like oh no wait i wrote the wrong one i gotta cross it out here (laughs) that would have been great um no, but you know, like it's like, how do you ignore that stuff, especially with all the the things they're involved in and how they go, you know, about like even their shows. You know, recently, as we're talking now, they had to cancel a show because of Eddie's voice and stuff. I don't know. It just, I don't know. It just, it just always kind of baffles me, and that really kind of, I didn't say anything just because, like, I'm not here to get in an argument at a concert, mm-hmm. especially for a band I really love and paid to see. That's another yeah. thing too. Just people talking during concerts i just can't stand so yeah you can you can <laughs> you can go to a bar with music and and you know with a jukebox and talk like I yeah mean, this is like you're paying for all of this and you're gonna not be paying attention it's kind of like oh well i'm gonna go to pay tickets for a for a movie and just be my my phone the whole time it's like it's a different thing as opposed to if you're just sitting at home and yeah. you got something on netflix on your phone i mean it really it really is just a huge pet peeve of mine that just like why why just just to say you were here you're not even listening to the band you're talking about some other bullshit that doesn't yeah. matter and i don't mind like if people are like you know they they say a thing here or there about the song or the band or whatever but like most of the time in my experience it shows when people are talking through the band they're talking about having a full-on conversation or, or life yeah i'm just like what is up with that get out of my face don't give me no lip yeah (laughs) uh let's see this much uh much like dr seuss uh when he was uh challenged to write a book using only 50 words uh green eggs and ham uh using only 50 words uh this song don't give me no lip only has 39 unique words uh they uh, and and i will uh tell you what they all are right now because well, this is a podcast and I need to uh, kill time. I mean, provide content. Uh, don't give me no lip. I've had my fill of it. Lost taste for you've got to face this shit. I'm just not having stuck on your wiping off the spit. It's just a problem. One I'll be solving. 
Those are all the words in this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in yeah. a different combination. And of course, repeated over and over. I mean, Kerouac would be proud. <laughs> and I think that exhausts everything <laughs> that I had to say about this particular song. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those songs where it's just like, yeah, you only need so many lyrics and you're just kind of repeating it. And I... To me, I, I like the, I know Stone doesn't really love the verses of it, but I, I think it's kind of a fun little swing to it, you know, that kind of gives, gives it this charm. And now I'm not going to be begging for it on a, on a set list. I think it's cool if I heard it live. Um, I wouldn't be putting it on a, you know, playlist for like my favorite B-sides, that's for sure. But uh, I mean, like as a, like my top five or top 10 B sides, it'd be on there, but not just in that, that high of regard. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where lost dogs has like a ton of greats. Like even the track after this is really fantastic with alone and stuff. I, mm-hmm. I, I in, in the moonlight, like I love those. There's just so many great tracks, but this one again, like it's, it's fun. It's a little ditty. It's like not as good as like save for pumpkins, like pennies or something like that, but it's just kind of like a, like fun song you know <laughs> now like there's there's the there's the uh james eha songs that he sings like how right. those how, yeah. how do the, how do those hold up compared uh to to the to the uh to the stone songs or the the stones two songs uh, james has what the boy blue away take me down he has uh the boy uh yeah. the bells uh yeah take me down he has um Oh man, I'm forgetting right now that they're um believe, which is one of my yeah, favorite yeah. ones. Uh so I mean his are cool in that they feel like more of like his style. They kind of just have their own like life and world and even with his solo album which isn't uh particularly that strong, but there's a lot of charm to it again. I keep saying that word, but like it is very much him and his aesthetic and his style and with this song I feel like this could be Eddie fucking around with a riff too, you know? Mm-hmm. So for this one, it doesn't feel as unique to me. I still like it. Cause again, because of the intention behind it, but as far as the other stone go- songs go, uh, I would rate the other stone songs higher and probably on the same level of, um, you know, some of Eha's best too. Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it is also a reminder of sort of the, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just the pop inclinations that Stone has, because yeah. you know it's sort of he, you know, he has the groove sort of background, which you know you hear a lot on uh, Ten and Verses and stuff. But then he also has, you know, just sort of like a an ear for just real catchy stuff, especially especially the bridges in his songs. Yeah, because I think that like, yeah, because I, I mean, I, I hear the like influence of bands like the Buzzcocks or the, or the Jam, you know, uh, when I hear stuff like that, because it's just very, it's pop meets rock, you know, 
and it has a, it's a rock with a pop sensibility which i've always been a fan of but that's again like the ramones you know and stuff like that yeah uh even sex Pistols. i mean this song i mean sex pistols has a for one of their live albums they have a song called uh don't give me no lip child right that's a reference to that or what but yeah yeah because i mean you have to kind of you can't you can't all be sonic youth you know noise jam all the way through you know you gotta you gotta have stuff that's catchy and you know stuff that is not like super high art or else you know that's it's it's just sort of exhausting after a point it's sort of you know what's i don't know about what's the point but it's sort of like what's how do we make a living from it how do we you know get people to keep coming to shows (laughs) i mean but even sonic youth like they did some catchy stuff too like 100 percent. you know it's just like yeah even they knew they had to kind of get like a short pop song out too um i think any band that kind of has like um a very involved writing process or uh composition uh will have to kind of simplify it that's always been a note for any of the creative endeavors I've ever learned or done, you know, with, with a, whether it be creative writing or acting or anything like that, where you learn the form. And then when you're getting too heady or too into it, you have to scale it back. You have to really go down to the basics and the bone of it so that you remember and you can work up back up from there. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, that's why I appreciate this song. It's like, I get it. Cause especially with this era, I love no code. Um, I know that's that's uh that's people have come around to it over the years. It's kind of been a a little bit of a favorite, much like Pumpkins Adore. But like uh, I I really it's in my top five. I think uh, No Code. So it's uh, if that's what it took for him to kind of uh, get that out of his system and for the band to find other stuff for you know No Code or Yield or whatever. It's it's fine by me. Wait, who played drums on this? Uh Jack Irons. Time? That was. Jack Irons, that's right, that's right, because it was during that time. What, who's your favorite drummer from that era, or from all? all I was for say, for, for, from that era, I was like, well, yeah, was Jack like, Irons, Irons was the yeah. drummer in that era, so yeah. Uh, no, but I meant <laughs> like question. Yeah, uh, how about just in general? Um, I th- I'd, I'd say in general, uh, Matt. Yeah. Just because it's it's sort of like he kind of came in and sort of reinvigorated and saved the band. I guess, and and kind of just be like, hey, you Absolutely. know, let's you know, let's keep doing this. Let's you know, let's let let's just get weird. Let's you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's do this. And I, yeah, like everybody, you know, everybody had their own flavor, role, and 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 fit a unique part that they needed at that moment. And I think because you know, it's because Matt's the drummer now, and so it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, Matt can be 
my favorite drummer because yeah. he's the drummer right now and and, and <laughs> i think just like in each in each of the eras it's sort of like you you, you listen to them and it's kind of like oh yeah this is this is it this works now this yeah. is you know they all have their own strengths and and their own um unique takes that contributes to a specific era of the band and they all just sort of mesh around it and let that provide a great uh foundation for them at that time absolutely i think it's it, i think it's really cool that they've only had the spinal tap dilemma where they're they've only changed drummers you know mm-hmm. um because many bands don't survive that like they they change so many other members you know yeah you think of Smashy Pumpkins? Yeah, it's, it's like a revolving <laughs> Like everybody coming in and out in his billion was like, ah, but you know, James is back and oh, he's gone again. And yeah, oh, Jimmy he's back too. And... Yeah, there's just so many. Yeah, it's a revolving door quite a bit. It's funny that uh, Jeff has now been a band or member of the band longer. Jeff Schroeder, the guitarist, uh, has been part of the band longer than other than Billy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You think because he's he's did he start with the Zeitgeist tour? Yeah, he started in two thousand seven uh, when they toured for Zeitgeist, and then he's been with the band ever since. And uh, spe- speaking of uh, Smashing Pumpkins and uh, Zeitgeist, uh, you host a uh, the Smashing Pumpcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the greatest name for a <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins podcast. That Thank is. You. I, I, I when when uh, I think uh, when your when your podcast was uh, coming out, I, I saw it for the first time, and I was like, "Well, uh, I guess when I'm done with Pearl Jam, I can't go on to Smashing Pumpkins because that is the perfect name uh, for one." So, <laughs> well, scratch that. I can't off remember the, list. the other. I can't remember the other names that we came up with at the time, but that one was the one that we all liked. But then we debated on C or K and uh, Pep correctly was like no let's make it k so it's closer to pumpkins um mm-hmm. and it's just fun that way but if anybody wants to start i mean there's not many pumpkins podcasts out there i mean there was i mean there was there was uh hipsters united uh back in the early aughts and then um or not the early aughts like 2010s through 2015 or whatever and uh there's spa to z where they go through the entire catalog uh by alphabetical order and stuff and those guys are great but um yeah not many pumpkins podcasts and for every person who you know likes to complain about us or whatever we just keep saying like start your own (laughs) there's like a million different uh pearl jam podcasts and metallica podcasts and stuff like that so it's like whatever just do your thing you know it's we welcome other voices because it's just us two and occasionally a guest and you know we come we come at it from a uh, we just got recently called uh, sycophants, um, <laughs> which it's like, okay, I mean, but we, we're coming at it from a, a way of like, this is what we like about it, what, what, what we enjoy about the songs. And we just, our experience in some of the pumpkin fan community has been pretty toxic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's that, oh, there's that in Pearl Jam right now, especially right now too. I mean, with the canceling yeah. shows and stuff, so yeah there's yeah (laughs) i yeah that that's why i never really on the 10 or the pearl jam message boards or the 10 club message boards i never really kind of got involved uh because there's a few of those sour you know people who just really ruin it for you and pat and i just felt like there was enough negativity around some of the albums especially that didn't do as well and we just want to kind of revisit it with a different lens and even if we don't like something we'll say you know like it's not for me but here's what i like about the song 
is uh there's just enough negativity in this world we're just trying to do something fun and positive and talk about a band that we love yeah i think there there was i don't know there was way too much negativity and irony and sarcasm and stuff in the 90s right yeah. it's it's sort of like uh you, that's it's it's burnt out that's not something i that's that's one thing from the 90s that doesn't need to be uh brought back uh, yeah i think there's a certain uh, i just i the irony and detachment and i i i always enjoy listening to somebody talk about something that they love and are excited about as opposed to kind of being like shitting on it yeah or kind of being detached from it or something i don't know it just it just never feels genuine to me because i'm just always excited to listen to people excited about what they're talking about you know uh just much more enjoyable to listen to for for my money uh but you know different strokes you know some people like to hear the the shit talk and that's fine but for us it's more of like come here to celebrate the band and even we talk about other bands that we love and we're always bringing up the cure you know i bring up pearl jam here and there and you know uh nine inch nails stuff like that you know yeah uh but uh, as i was saying uh, um uh we're, we're in the middle of uh, of zeitgeist summer right mm-hmm. and and that's what you yeah. are uh working on right now on the podcast yeah we had released our episode breaking down the 16 tracks that were from the zeitgeist we the different editions there were many different editions of zeitgeist which is one of our issues of why we kind of fell off a little bit and uh we just collected all the different editions and we just put that all together to make a 16 track like ultra edition we broke down uh we talked about every single track from that and then we talked about american gothic ep and then we're going to be talking to some people involved with the zeitgeist era because that's one that is pretty polarizing for people and it was even polarizing for us the host but now we get to look at it from going from the beginning of the demos up to this era and being you know uh, in our late 30s and early 40s it's it's given us new context for the band and the album so it's cool to revisit this era and that's what we're doing now we're calling it zeitgeist summer last year it was machina summer where we covered all the machina era and we're covering zeitgeist now and then after that we're going to be getting into tear garden and so forth and so on and there's a there's a swath of time between with zeitgeist and shiny that we're kind of a little spotty on so we're excited to talk about those albums just as much as we are about the ones that we loved you know like siamese dream and melancholy yeah so let's hey listeners want to go for a ride ha <laughs> ha that's a smashing pumpkins uh reference uh there we go uh and you can uh listen to <laughs> smashing pumpcast I'll, I'll link that in the in the show notes uh frank it is real good to talk to you about uh about pearl jam thank you i mean i could talk forever about them uh so thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about them Oh, no problem. And hey, the, I, uh, I got another year and a half or so or two years of uh, covering songs. So you can, if there's anything else you want to talk about, you can come on back. Yeah, just let me know what's left and I'll uh, tell you what I want to talk about. All right. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks. Thanks for stopping by. Well, thank you. Don't give me no lip. <laughs> Better Band Podcast is produced by Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenupnino at gmail.com for more details. 
All music played is owned by their respective publishers, copyright holders, and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Better Band Pod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to either ko-fi.com slash Brandon P or patreon.com slash Brandon P. You can also just give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, but don't forget to tell your friends. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Frank, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Someone dishonoring their marriage vows? Not in Las Vegas. Thank you.